Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, linked up church. Come on, if you're grateful this morning, let's all lift our hands right now. Come on, if you're grateful that he put his breath in your lungs. Come on, go ahead and demonstrate that by your worship right now. Come on, let him know that your God, that he's great. Let your God know that he is great in your life. Father, we worship you. We're so thankful. We're so grateful that you put breath in our lungs this morning. You woke us up, Father, and you started us on our way. How great you are, God, and greatly to be praised. Everything that we have has come from you, Father, and we freely give it back to you. We freely give you our worship. We freely give you our praise because you're so deserving of it. You are God all by yourself, and we love, honor, and adore you this morning. And so, Father, as we go forth in this service today on this Memorial Day weekend, Father, we honor all of those who sacrificed their lives for the freedom that we have to sing on this stage, to play instruments on this stage, and to minister on this stage, Father. We honor them, and we, we're thankful that they were willing to pay the ultimate price, which was their lives, Father. And we give Jesus glory for laying down his life so that we could live and it's in him that we live and we move and we have our being father we have not forgotten soldiers sacrifice and we've not forgotten the sacrifice of our lord and savior jesus christ and so father we give you the glory for all the good that'll come out of this service use me today as an instrument father use my tongue to minister to the hearts and lives of your people father holy spirit have your way today let it be less of me and more of you, Father. Move me out of the way and let you be on the throne so that the people will never stand in the wisdom of man, but they'll be led towards the power of God. And Father, may you confirm your word with signs and wonders following and we'll give you all the glory for it in Jesus' name. And everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Come on, everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Amen. Love on at least two people today. Tell them God bless you and let them know you are glad to see them. Praise God. Come on, love on somebody in a big way. Great job, music department. Great job. Praise God. We want to welcome you today if you're watching. We know it's a holiday weekend, but we want to welcome you if you're watching via any of our live stream platforms today. It's easy to follow along in the building or online. You can go right to the YouVersion U Bible app and then just click events, pull up Linked Up Church. The outline of today's message is right there uh, for you to follow and then also add your own notes to it. And so I just want to say God is good. That wasn't good enough. I said God is good. Man, and he is good all the time. If you're here and you haven't taken step four today, today is your opportunity. And so you can take that in between classes, in between services, in between the first and second service. We're going to continue our series on uh, Excel in the Grace of Giving. And so it's been about two weeks since I've been up. And so we'll do a slight review. We know that we have all been called to give generously. How, how many of y'all believe that? We've been called to do that. God's called us to live gener give generously 
and with joy as a fruit of the Spirit within our lives. And so we know that God wants the fruit developed that's within us so that others that we come in contact with can benefit from that developed fruit uh, that's on the inside of us. And so what Paul goes on to do is in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9, he shows us how our regular giving is rooted really in three central themes of the gospel. And remember, we're talking about the New Testament here. And so we've got the Old Testament, we've got the book of Acts, and then we've got the New Testament. And so a lot of people are confused as to where to give, how to give, based off of the different uh, dispensations. And so the, the best illustration that God's given me, because so much information is out there today, uh, you know, should we tie? We don't have to tie. You know, there's a whole teaching out there that grace has replaced the tie. And so I, I just personally don't see that in the Scripture myself. That's why we're walking through it to, to look at it. And so tithing is something that was given before the law. It was here before the law was ever given, right? Because Abraham paid tithes into Melchizedek before the law was given. And then during the law, the law was given in the book of Exodus, Leviticus, different places. Uh, during the law, we know tithes was instituted and implemented by the Levitical priesthood, right? And so it didn't go out. We also see it uh, in Jesus' life when he was rebuking the Pharisees and the scribes. He told them that, that it was great that they paid tithes of ammon and myrrh and, and mint. They did all those things, but he told them to not omit the weightier matters of the law, which were faith and love and other things. So he didn't rebuke them. He told them that's good that they're doing that. Just don't omit the weightier matters of the law. Then we get over to the, to the book of Acts. Well, the book of Acts is a transitional book. It's not the Old Testament, and it's not the New Testament. It's a transitional book, and it introduces us to the church age, okay? And in that book, we don't see the word tithe used one time. What we see is generous giving. And so the Lord or God launched the church through the generous giving of its members, right? Then we get over into the New Testament, which starts at the book of Romans, and we only see tithe uh, used one time, and that's in Hebrews chapter 7, and it refers all the way back to Abraham, which was before the law was given, and it makes this reference there that uh, Abraham paid tithes into Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a type of of the Lord Jesus Christ. He had no recorded beginning and no recorded end, right? And so if you really look at what Hebrews is telling us is that it's always been in the earth. It is a principle that has been in the earth and it's still here. So it hasn't gone away. And later on in that same text there, he says, here men die that die receive them, but there he receives them. Referring to Jesus, and it says that we're testifying that he ever lived. So it obviously has some level that you'll see today of eternal connection because every time we honor that tie, we are honoring a covenant and the fact that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ lives forever. Okay? Hallelujah. And so just to illustrate it, uh, you know, does anyone have two $20 bills? Two $20 bills. Two 20s. Two 20s. Let me get two 20s. Bring them up here. Whoever brings them up here first, 220s. It's a good friend of mine from Detroit, Michigan right here. Good to see you. I was privileged to be her daughter's youth pastor. You got 220s in there? What you doing traveling with all that money? Good to see you. Uh, she said, I can't travel without it. I got to go to the mall. 
All right, so, you know, again, we've all, you've seen, if you've been here, you've seen the illustration. We all played games with our kids, right, when they were younger. And what we would say to them, you know, the, the hand that had the most bills in it, right, we'd say, which one do you want? The other hand had one bill in it, and then the other hand had multiple bills in it. Well, our kids always pointed to the one that had the most bills, and it might only be five ones over there and a 20 over here. And so teaching them about money, we'd give them the five ones and then use it as a teaching moment later on in life. So I want you to kind of look at it this way, right? Remember, God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He does not change. Is that clear? Jesus used these words. He said, I didn't come to do away with the old. I came to what? Fulfill it, right? So what makes the New Testament better is that it's based upon better promises. It's a better covenant based upon better promises. So you see tithes one time in Hebrews chapter 7, but you see given over 40 times. So then clearly the tithe is in there, but there must be something greater than that. And so when they created the $50 bill, how many know they didn't do away with the 220s? Right? What makes the $50 bill better is that the 220s are in it. But they didn't do away with the 220s. They put the 220s in the 50. It's more efficient, right? Easier to carry, right? And so that's how I want you to see tithing. He didn't do away with it, but he wants us to excel beyond it. All right? Praise God. Thank you. Come back and get these 220s. And I want you to keep this 50 so you can shop a little bit more, okay? All right. And in that is an illustration itself that you'll see before this message is over. I didn't just give away $50. I blessed myself. Come on, somebody. Then it's all in how you view that. I didn't see it leaving. I actually saw what's coming back. All right? And there's an illustration and a lesson in that all by itself. And so it's really, this teaching is rooted in three central things. The grace of God, the more grace you receive, then the more grace you give. The finished work of the cross, when you realize what he did for you through his death, burial, and resurrection, the fact that you've been redeemed from poverty, sickness, and spiritual death, how many know that deserves a response? That's a good response, but I, I, let's do that response. Come on, let's just give God a real good hallelujah this morning, right? And, and, and then the unity of the Spirit. So the more revelation that we get about this as a whole, because you'll learn today, God is never trying to burden one and make life easy on another. He never raised this church up to be dependent on 10% of its members. Right? He, he raised it up so that the whole group could carry the load, which means it's not easy on either group. The ones that, that have less, they still feel a part of it. The ones who have more, but everyone is doing something. And the more unity we operate in the Spirit, the more grace He pours on our lives. Number one, we really are looking at 10 really graces or, or principles that Paul is teaching about excelling in this grace. And number one was giving is an expression of the grace of God. Again, the more we receive, the more we give. Grace is a Greek word, charis, which means graciousness, liberality, divine influence upon the heart, benefit, favor, joy, gratitude. We know it's important because it's used 10 times 
in two chapters. In chapters 8 and chapters 9, the word grace is used 10 times, and we're going to look at all 10 of those. So we know God is really, this is doctrinal here. We can really hang our hats and live our lives by this. We looked at how that grace is manifested. It's, it's usually going to manifest when you're at your worst. That's when you get to discover God is at his best. Come on, has anybody learned that yet? Most of the time when we're at our worst, we're not thinking about what we can do for someone else. We're thinking about we need someone to do something for us. But once you get a manifestation of how good God has been to you, even in that bad situation, somehow grace will rise in your heart and you'll recall that someone is doing worse than you are right now. And then how can I help them? I want to share a quick testimony today. A young lady wrote this to me, and it just blessed me. It says, hey, Pastor Gregory, and it's in the spirit of what I just shared. I want to share a testimony with you about my family uh, and what we've experienced. Over the past few months, God has been working on me and my husband about giving more and not seeing it as giving something up. Your recent sermons have only confirmed this. So we have been trying to give any opportunity God presents us with Here's some background to our testimony. We've had medical bills come in that we were waiting on an insurance mistake to be fixed so we could not pay them. The bills were past due, but God told me to wait to pay them. While I was making my grocery list a couple of weeks ago, the Holy Spirit prompted me to make dinner for an old classmate that was in a terrible car accident. At this time, we did not have extra money to make the food for others, but I knew it was what God had told me to do, so I brought enough stuff to take them two meals or make them two meals, and I took it to them. A day after I took them the food, one day later, I got a check in the mail from a car accident that happened on January the 3rd. Then a couple of days after that, I received a refund for overpaying a medical bill that covered all the past due medical bills that we had. Listen to this. And tonight... We received a completely unexpected check for $10,000 from a family member that wanted to be a blessing to us. It's amazing to really see God's principles at work in your life. My family, we're giving God all the glory. And I think we should take about five seconds in here. Come on, let's rejoice with that family. And, I, and, and you get to see a picture. They didn't have money to give but they were able to cook a meal. And it's amazing how cooking a meal turned into medical bills being paid, an unexpected $10,000 check because someone was in a bad situation, but they knew someone was in a worse situation than them and thought about helping them. Come on, somebody ought to give God glory for that again. So you've got to understand how it manifests. Number two, Giving is a charisma or gift of the Spirit. We learned in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 7 that he encouraged us to excel in everything. Just as we excel in faith and speech and, and love and genuine concern, which are all graces, he says, see that you excel in this grace of giving also, which is where our title comes from. And the word excel means to exceed, to increase, to be better, to go over and above. So God never saved you to stay the same, right? Even in your giving, right? Because you have received more, how many of your giving should match, should match what you've received? And you should set goals to increase and excel. 
You know, people struggle with just the 10%. But when you think about it, a dime on one dollar. All right, all right, okay. Number three, the finished work of the cross should inspire our giving. Number four, I'm going to speed up. Give according to your ability, right? And so a lot of people say, I can't do the 10%, so I don't do nothing. You'd be surprised. What we learned was, of course, as a pastor, I can never tell you to not do that because I've been doing it my whole saved life. I would never tell a person to not do that because I think that opens up doors for you. But what I will tell you is start where you are and then work towards your goals. But it's better to do something. See, when I do nothing, what I'm saying is God's done nothing for me. (laughs) Right? All right, let's pick up new information today. Number five. The goal is equality. The goal is equality. Now, let's pick up in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 at verse 13. And let's read 13 through 15. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 13 through 15 says, For I do not mean that others should be eased and you be burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack. Remember this that their abundance also may supply your lack, that there may be equality. As it is written, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. So anytime you see as it is written, that is a text that's being quoted from the Old Testament. We'll go back and look at that so we can understand what he's referring to. So there really, Paul's desire in these three verses is very clear. There are really two things he wants us to understand from these three verses. Number one, your plenty will meet the needs of others. You've got to see the fact that God has given you abundance, not just so that you can live in your beautiful house. Come on, drive your multiple cars. But he gives you abundance so that you can abundantly help other people. And then the second point in in point number one is that others' plenty will meet your future needs. And so, folks, life happens to all of us, right? And so you're helping other people, believe it or not, is securing your future should you ever need people to help you. Life has this way of going full circle. That's why you never look down on someone while they're down. Because you might see them on their way up while you're on your way down. Come on, somebody. So important that we have compassion for people when they're going through a tough time. Instead of judging and saying, where's your faith? You go to church. You don't. uh, Hello. You just find in your heart what God may lead you to do. Thank you, man. I received that. I'm going to pay it forward. Anybody here struggling with some gas today? Gas price is high this weekend. Come on down here and get this. Come on, hurry up, hurry up. Come on, come on, move. Help me out. I got to keep going with this message. I'm going to pay it forward. That young lady right there. Now, now put gas in your car. All right, let's keep going. I receive it. I want you to know so you get 
So you'll get what that desired result was. I received it, and I sowed it. Go to Proverbs chapter 11. Let's, let's talk about what this looks like. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25, Message Bible, right? Your plenty will meet the needs of others. Others' plenty will meet your future needs. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25, Message Bible says, The world of the generous gets larger and larger. So in other words, the more they give, the more they receive. And their world just keeps getting larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Notice they both live in the same world, but one is growing, one is getting smaller. And that's based off of the condition of their hearts. So how many know giving comes from your heart? Verse 25, the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. All right? So I know life is great now. That's the time to think about who can I help. I'll show you another verse in a moment because what you're doing is you're padding your future against anything that may happen in your life. And the same heart that you gave towards other people who were less fortunate God's going to send a multitude of people into your life when you need them the most to help you. But if you didn't care about anybody, hello, somebody. A lot of times we think everybody just left me. That's not really that. Who have you helped? Right? Because everything is seed, time, and harvest. Right? And so you got to in that moment think about, well, where have I been for other people if nobody's there for me? Come on, let me get a real good amen right there. Let me get a real good, 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 good amen right there. Amen. All right, go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let's look at it another way. I'll read again out of the Message Bible just to save time. 1 Timothy chapter 6. King James Version says in verse 17 to charge them. All right? Message Bible says, tell those, 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, says, tell those rich in this world's wealth to quit being so full of themselves and so obsessed with money which is here today and gone tomorrow. Come on, anybody ever been there before? Come on, am I the only one that's ever been there? Come on, I know what that's like. I remember being in Washington, D.C., folks. I remember that. Created a conflict. You know, our leadership at that time, we just didn't see eye to eye on something. It created a, a separation. See, this wasn't the first time this happened in our life. We're out now in Washington, D.C., no income coming in, wife, two kids, in a private school. And if you understand prices in D.C., When I got that last check, I began to count up how long could we live with no money coming in. That's really your wealth right there. But what happened was phone calls came from everywhere, and everybody rushed in to help us. So much so, one person said, I won't let you lose a penny. What is your salary? I'll pick you up right, and he did, I'll pick you up right now. And then I'm going to send you X, Y, Z places to minister so that you don't lose a penny. Well, let me tell you, that's just not happening just to be happening. Right? And so what I'm telling you is prepare for your future by helping people less fortunate than you today. That's not saying anything's going to ever happen in your future. I'm just saying life happens. And you pad your future against it. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17 through 19. Tell those rich in this world's wealth. Quit being so full of themselves and so obsessed with money, which is here today and gone tomorrow. 
tell them, this is what you tell them, to go after God. So then going after God must be more beneficial than being obsessed with money. Go after God who piles on all the riches we could ever manage to do good, to be rich in helping others. So he's telling you the kind of person that he will pile riches on is the person that is ready to communicate, ready to distribute, and ready to help others that are less fortunate individuals. God said, I he can trust them with it. Let's keep reading here. And helping others, watch this. This is an interesting word here in the Message Bible. To be extravagantly generous. He didn't just say be generous, but be extravagant in your, your generosity. Right? So if you're thinking about feeding someone, there's several different restaurant options or groceries. Do the best that you can. Don't give them something that you wouldn't eat yourself. Come on, church. Don't leave me out here by myself. Don't go look at your leftovers and say, we're not going to eat this anyway. Come on, somebody. Let's use it to be a blessing. No, cook a fresh meal. Go grocery shopping and get fresh food. All he's saying here is if you're going to do it, do it right. Do it to someone else the way you would want someone else to do it for you. So if they do that, now this is interesting, they'll build a treasury that will last. Other commentary says they're storing up treasures against the day of necessity. So literally they're storing up resources that if they ever hit a tight spot, they'll be there when they need them. We don't really see that all the time when we're helping other people, how we're really securing our own future by doing that. Then look at what he goes on to say, gaining life that is truly life. King James Version says eternal life. So then we know if we read Scripture, then it must be possible then that money can cause people to miss out on eternity. Are we reading that accurately? The people who are possessed by it will do anything to get it. Hello, somebody. Make it their God. That's why 10% is showing God that he's God. 10% is just saying, God, everything that I have came from you. Then when you grow in that revelation, you're saying, God, 10% is not even enough. You've been so good to me. That's the minimum I could do, God. Then after I do that, who, can I, who else can I be a blessing to? See, a lot of times we think in the kingdom, you got to think differently. I, when I get it, I'll give it. That's not how the kingdom works. You give it, then you'll receive it. I need three good amens right there. Two of those were good. So let me get one more to replace that first one. Come on, let me hear you online. Type it in, amen, if you receive that today. All right? Number two, under this same point. Paul illustrated this point using the supply of manna in the desert. Let's talk about what that looks like. Go to Exodus chapter 16, and we're going to learn something here. Paul illustrated that point by using the supply of manna 
in the desert. Exodus chapter 16. I'm going to read out of the Message Bible because it just makes it so plain. 15 through 18. So Moses told them, it's the bread God has given you to eat, and these are God's instructions. Now, what I want you all to understand, because it uses this illustration, God can feed you supernatural ways. Come on, anybody ever been there before? Where you didn't know where your next meal was coming from? And it showed up. Come on, anybody else here know? I can't tell you how many times I don't even know how we're going to be able to eat. And we ate. I didn't have a father. I'll never forget this one. I didn't have a relationship with my father. I, I'm a college graduate looking for a job, no money coming in. I come home, it's $50 on top of the, the answering machine. I'm aging myself right now. Y'all don't remember those answering machines. Light will be blinking when you come in. You press it, you have three messages, right? You stop it, pause it, tape get broke. You try to fix the tape up so you can hear the whole, whole message. Aging myself, $50 on the thing from my father. I'll never forget that. My brother just said, Dad, stop by, told me to give you this. I want you to understand, because it's using this, if God needs to rain down manna from heaven... Come on, if he need to put a barrel around a St. Bernard's neck. Come on, somebody. If, if you need to pull in a parking space and, and all of a sudden there's a $200 gift card to Kroger's just right happen to be laying right there. That's all I want you to get in your heart is that he's God. And he cares about feeding his people. So the Message Bible says here, gather enough for each person, about two quarters per person, gather enough for everyone in your tent. The people of Israel went to work and started gathering, some more, some less. But when they measured out what they had gathered, those who gathered more had no extra, and those who gathered less weren't short. Each person had gathered as much as they needed or much as was needed. The Amplified said they gathered as much as the size of their families. All right. So this is what I want you to see here. God is our father. We're all his children. He'll meet all of our needs according to the size of our families. And there'll be nothing left over. Other thing I want you to learn from this about God, and again, don't hear this the wrong way now. I'm not saying not to have retirement strategies. Do all of that stuff, but don't depend on it. He fed them day by day for a reason so that they would 100% trust him, 100% every day for their sustenance. So have your savings, do all of that, but also wear it loosely. So if God says take 10,000 out of it. And bless this family or sow it here. Hello, somebody. You don't look, act like it's your money. Because, see, what he may be doing is balancing the scales because we're all his children. See, he's not going to come down from heaven and do that. What he's going to do is speak to a family who has more and then lead them so that all his children can eat. You all still with me out there? 
Are you all getting anything out of this today? All right, let's keep going here. Go to Acts chapter 4. Let's see how the early church started, okay? Just to show you this is the heart of God. Acts chapter 4, let's pick it up at verse 32. Acts chapter 4, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. It says here, now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Folks, I'm dreaming of a unified church. I'm dreaming of that. I'm a unified church. I got invited yesterday to be a part of a, uh, I think it's called One Race. You familiar with that? You familiar with that? The leadership. I got invited to be a part of that. And these are diverse churches from all different backgrounds. And the story was being shared with me how 3,000 pastors, or, or I'm sorry, 300 pastors are up on the top of Stone Mountain with 3,000 people down at the bottom of all diverse backgrounds, and prayers being led on top of the mountain for unity in the body of Christ. I said, sign me up. Then listen to what I said. Don't just sign me up, but grow me up. Because you're never going to be where you haven't grown to. And there's a growth that takes place before you try to launch out into things. And I understand that, right? Because we all grew up a certain way. But we're going to be a part of that. Because I believe God wants a unified church. It doesn't segregate itself because of ethnos. All right. So they were all together. They had one heart, one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. That's what Minister Bernard was singing about. But they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Well, why was great grace on them all? Because they were selfless. They were more concerned about other people than themselves. See, the only way great grace can come on you like that is you have to receive it by how you respond. Nor was there any among them who lacked. My God. For all who were possessors of lands or houses. Now, I want to be real clear here. These people didn't sell their primary land. They did not sell their primary house. Let me know when you have multiple plots of land and multiple houses and multiple cars. Hello, somebody. God might speak to you about that. And they were willing. Now, if I were you, I would believe God for multiple houses. So why stay in a condo when you go on vacation and you can own the condo? And then rent it out the other 51 weeks of the year when you're not using it. Come on, that's money making money. He'll teach you how to do that. Right? All right, watch this now. So, so they didn't sell. See, a lot of people think they, no, they didn't sell their land and their house. It says they were possessors of lands and houses. So these are the halves. All right, everybody still with me? So these are the halves. They sold them, and they brought the proceeds of the things that were sold. Now, watch this now. Let's talk about protocol. So lands can really net a lot of resources. Cars can net a lot of resources. 
And so they're smart enough to know that there needs to be accountability with this. And so sometimes you don't just go give this directly to people. You give it to leadership and let leadership vet these people. Because there are a lot of con artists out here. All right. So, so see, I want you to see the wisdom because we're going, we're traveling with this. All right. So you see God doesn't change. So they sold them. Watch this. Then they laid them at the apostles' feet and then distributed to each one as they had need. All right. So now you're seeing linked up church in the future. We finished this building. Right. So we secure that. We go get some other pieces I can't talk about publicly because people are watching and listening to everything that I say. Counseling center is huge. Mental health is a real problem in our country. God's given me the order now, right? We redo that. We build that. Next thing we do after that, we go get a warehouse. What's the purpose of the warehouse? To give to the poor. And there should be cars in that warehouse, refrigerators in that warehouse, hmm? jobs in that warehouse. Come on, somebody. Right? My family, we're getting ready to move. My kids are going to get new bedroom sets. Their bedroom sets will be a blessing to other kids. We walk around that house. We're not going to take that. We're not going to take that. We're not going to take that. Then it needs to go somewhere. And I'm not talking about a yard sale. The seed is far greater than a yard sale. Come on, somebody. Come on. Somebody help me out here today. I'm not talking about no garage sale. I'm talking about who has a a need for these things. And this warehouse is a place where all this distribution can go. And then we have a process in place. Hello, somebody. Where we trust but verify. I thought I'd get a real good amen right there. You don't just go throwing stuff, right? You trust but verify. It's the future of Linked Up Church. Number six, and we'll close for the day. Got five minutes left on my clock. All giving must be carefully supervised. Now, what I'm getting ready to share, folks, most pastors would never share what I'm getting ready to share. Matter of fact, I've never heard it shared in church. Matter of fact, what I share will be what I've heard in church, which is contrary to what we're getting ready to read. Okay, so let's all read this together. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It's a reason why people don't trust churches with their money. That didn't happen by accident. That happened on purpose. Somebody say amen out there. It's almost like you get in a church and like don't take no money in there. I'll go in there and listen to the word, but leave the purse out here in the car. Come on, tell you, people are like this. I will never give another dime to another church in my life. Well, believe it or not, folks, we created that. And the word of God is going to show you how that was created, but also how to fix it. Let's read verses 16 through 24, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. All giving must be carefully supervised. Look at verse 16. But thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. For he not only accepted the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you of his own accord. And we're going to break down what all of this means. And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. So everyone can see this was an upstanding individual. Not only that, but he or who also was chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift. And so anyone handling money should be chosen. You don't put your family members back there. 
cousins. It's not, come on, folks. This is not a family business. This is a kingdom business. Come on, I'm preaching better than you all saying amen out there. Right? Let's keep going. When I read this, I couldn't believe that it's in the Scripture. Travel with the gift which is administered by us to the glory of the Lord himself and to show your ready mind. Avoiding this, that anyone should blame us in this lavish gift which is administered by us. So I want you to see there that there's something that should be avoided anytime money is received and money is given. Watch this. Providing honorable things, listen carefully, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. I'll come back. And we have sent with him our brother, whom we have often proved diligent in many things. We proved it. So, so again, people who handle money should be proven. These are not novice. These are not people that get saved and become deacons. They must be proven. And the best people to prove them are other deacons. Say, look ye out among you and choose seven men who are honest. That's the first requirement. What's one way to know if they're honest? Check their giving. Because if they'll steal from God, they'll steal from the church. You all want me to stop right here? You got giving. Right? Why did it get so quiet in this church today? Oh, everybody's just listening today? Are you all getting anything out of this today? And so, so what happens is we turn a blind eye when the Scripture tells us to prove them. So that means decisions have to be made. When people show that they can't be honest and trusted. All right. It's good stuff right here. Isn't it? And we, didn't, we haven't even gotten to the good part yet. Watch this. Let's keep going. We have sent with him a brother whom we have often, often, often proved diligent in many things. But now much more diligent because of the great confidence which we have in you. And if anyone inquires about us, Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker concerning you. Or if our brethren are, are, are inquired about, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. Therefore, show to them and before the churches the proof of your love and our boasting on your behalf. And so let's get into this. And then I've got to close. It's a holiday weekend. I want to make sure you all get out. There are two goals Paul strove to obtain here. Number one. He really was seeking to avoid criticism. So a leader in leadership should stay away from the very appearance of evil, and they need to manage the perception of how the people see them. So he sought to avoid criticism in verse number 20. Then watch this in verse number 21, number two, two goals. Do what's right before God and man. So let's talk about this for a moment, okay? Because I'm helping you also choose a church, select a church, including this one. Always do what's right before God and man. 
right? So you always want to be right with God, but I want you to see leadership has to be right with the people that they serve. Which means it is wrong for us to collect your money and then tell you it's none of your business what we do with it. Especially when it's collected for a purpose and it has been delegated for a cause, there is nothing else that can be done with that money but what it was delegated for. And there should be a report, there should be transparency in that giving. It should be not be a case where we don't know what came in, what was spent towards what, and we're told it's none of your business. When in reality, it's all of your business. Because the only reason we have it is because you gave it. Come on, I thought I'd get a better amen in this place today. Right? And so, you should always seek to do what's right before God and man. If we collect it, we owe you the responsibility of showing you what it was collected for, how much came in, how much has been spent. And watch this. If you all gave more than what we needed, we should come back to you and ask your permission what we can do with that going forward. We don't just take that and throw it in the general fund and do what we want to do with it. Come on, I need a little better amen in this place today. Come on, I need a little bit better amen in this place today. And this is all in the Bible. See, but I've been in places, folks, where we don't know what came in. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? I'm talking, we don't know what. We know we gave. And we know we gave a lot. And, folks, I've been a member of three different churches, so don't try to put two and two together. But, but there have been times where we said, whatever happened to that? Now we are raising again. Whatever happened to the? I'm trying to show you how people get to the place where they don't want to give nothing to churches no more. Because the last time they gave, we don't know what happened to it. But yet we see the leadership's life growing. So after a while, you know what that looks like. Did they shift that building fund money? (laughs) Or did they not communicate what building we were actually building? Because the one that was actually built got eight bedrooms in it. Come on, somebody. Olympic-sized swimming pool. Come on, eight-car garage. Come on, somebody. We never, ever found out. Listen, what I'm doing publicly is showing you the word of God. So, I'm going to talk about some other things, too, because it can't just be one pot. All right, let's keep going. You say a pastor is sharing this? Yes. You're welcome. I can't tell you how many places I, I've been where they say, hey, Doc, how y'all set up over there? Because they're getting ready to show me how to set it up. <laughs> so I can do what they do. I say, we're good. We're good. <laughs> One time they saw my car. They were like, that's all you doing, Doc? I said, that's all my money can afford. <laughs> 
I got kids, man. I got kids in private school getting ready to go to college. I ain't thinking about no cars. Watch this now. How many of y'all glad you came to church today? I'm showing this to you in the Bible. Watch this. Let's keep going. This is going to shock you. How did Paul accomplish these two goals? Number one, he didn't personally handle the money. He put Titus in charge. Go back and read verse 16 and verse 17. The pastor should never be the one counting the money. Something wrong when they take that offering to his office. I've seen all of this. I've seen all of this. They collect it, go straight in his office. So Paul didn't personally handle the money. How many of you know it can't be one pot? So in other words, it all came in, and then it's used to pay his rent or his mortgage, his car, his kids' tuition, their groceries. Can't be one pot, folks. It has to be a salary that he's given that's determined by a board and not by himself. And then he needs to learn how to manage and steward his money just like he teaches his people. Because they don't have no pot they can just go to. Hello, somebody. And go on vacation. I know I won't be popular around the country. Nobody's going to send this anywhere. I can promise you that. Matter of fact, take that down off of the end. Take it down. Take that down. Don't live stream that. Take that down immediately. No, I'm saying all of this because it's the truth. And if I lose a popularity contest because I told the truth, then I'll lose it as long as I'm popular with God. That's all that matters to me. So he didn't personally handle the money. He put Titus in charge. You'll see that in verse 16, 17, and in verse 23. Number two, he still sent someone with Titus for further accountability. So even though he trusted Titus, how many know you don't send one person with the money by themselves? You send somebody else to hold them accountable. Just like in a church, the pastor should not have writing privileges and signing privileges. See, y'all not listening out there. He should not have the ability to write the check and sign the check. He should only have the ability to sign the check, listen to this, up to a certain amount. Once it gets to a certain amount, then it needs to go before a board for approval, which is a board of competent individuals, hello somebody, who are financially astute to judge this decision that you're making. I thank God we had a board member, not a yes man. If everybody in your life telling you yes, something's wrong with that. You need somebody that will say to you and not back down, I don't agree with that. And then hold the line. 
important. It helps protect the pastor, and it helps protect the people. How many of y'all are hearing this for the first time? A lot of folks just been going to church, just, just, do, just making it rain in church. When the Bible has educated us, see, they, they've said to us now, if you ever want to keep information from people, put it in a book. They won't read it. This has been here the whole time. Watch this. And we could have gone to leadership and said, and if they are a man of God or a woman of God, they have to address that. There's nothing wrong with you coming to me and saying, Pastor, we raised and we collected money for Vision Forward. Where are we at with that? I owe you a response. And it should concern you if I say, that's none of you. You're out of line. <laughs> Ushers. Security. Carry them out. Something's wrong with that. When you gave it for a purpose, we should give you all updates on what's happening with that building. Shouldn't be sitting out there, what's going on with the building? You all heard anything about the building? Do we still have the building? Number three, the leadership within the churches chose trustworthy people to carry the gift with Paul. So anytime the leader is around money, there need to be other people around money with him. The leader should never be around money by himself. He should never have a direct line to the resources that no one else knows about. There should be multiple checks and balances in place before he can do anything. Last thing, three areas to pay attention to before you join a church or before you stay at a church. All three of these will go up here, and all of it should have been up there. Is the leadership transparent when money is collected for a specific person, purpose? If they're not, that's not your church. If we're not, this is not your church. I would leave here as soon as you possibly could if we ever do that. And I'm saying the first time we do it, you should leave this church because it's wrong. Number two. Does that ministry have a board to help oversee financial operations and decisions? Or is that leader making all those decisions by himself? See, I've been in environments where the leader will tell you, I only listen to God. That can be dangerous because there's a lot of voices out there. And if it's God, he'll confirm that with two, three, four, five other people. Hello, somebody. It's not a situation where I hear from God and tell everybody else what to do. If he really gave these people to help me, then he'll tell them too. Right? And then when they say no, then I've got to trust the wise counsel that he's given me. Right? And in that particular case, that wasn't a building. This was about a building. It wasn't the one that we have now. Thank you, Jesus. You all still glad you came today? Amen. How many of y'all going to set a goal to excel in the grace of giving? Amen. It's important to your future, okay? <laughs> then the last thing here, and we're done for the day. 
Does that church get yearly audits? What we've learned every time the auditors come in, which after I think two years, we no longer had to get audits, just reviews because we don't have accounts payable and receivable. But, you know, the first person they went after as soon as they came in was the pastor. As soon as they found out he doesn't have a car allowance, a parsonage, he doesn't have uh, privileges, groceries, all this stuff, he just gets a paycheck. And then what they say, that's all he gets, a paycheck. Because everybody else has all of these benefits set up. But my whole thing is, why get benefits and we don't even have a building? How are you getting benefits in a mobile church? Something a little wrong with that. You all understand? So you wait until you prove that you're a leader. And you can take an organization and a congregation somewhere before you do anything for yourself. Watch this. However long that takes, you go get a job just like everybody else if it does not pay you if it can't. That's what, that's what all your volunteers do. I'm done. Praise God. Did you all get anything out of this today? Come on, let's lift our hands to the Father. You can stay in your feet. See, let's just lift our hands to the Father. Let's thank him for what we heard today. Father, we receive.